Today we can say, in no uncertain terms, that we've made our union a little more perfect. Yes, I am, and there's no place I would rather be stuck today. From Pacifica Radio's KPFK in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast. As heard on 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Oregon Central Coast. Coast to coast and around the globe on kpfk.org. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, and other parts unknown, including Radio Sputnik, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com. Here for another thrilling adventure in Good Things Happen to Those Who Wait. At least to those uh, in the United States this week. Josh Marshall writes over at Talking Points Memo. He says, in a single week, the rebel flag is toast. Obamacare is vindicated. Marriage equality becomes law. He writes, it's a trifecta for Obama, and he hasn't even declared his Islamic caliphate yet. It is uh, an extraordinary week uh, here in in these United States, and uh, we're going to talk about that today and uh, and much more, no doubt. And Desi Doyen will be joining us. Well, Desi, you'll be joining us in a bit. To, or right now. To, to uh, Well, to be joining us in a bit with the Green News Report right. to bring us all down. So no matter how happy, <laughs> no matter how uh, good this day is, you're going to come in at the end. People should know. To completely ruin the entire week. Now, now, see, I like to think of it as coming in and reminding people we still have a lot of work to do. There you go. Well, that's what you'll be, our, uh, our reminder near the end of the show. Until then, today, on the precise anniversary of three of the U.S. Supreme Court's other major gay rights precedents, including Lawrence v. Texas in 2003, which struck down anti-sodomy laws across the nation, made it no longer illegal to be gay, uh, U.S. v. Windsor in 2013, finding the Federal Defense of Marriage Act unconstitutional. Hollingsworth v. Perry in 2013 as well, on the same day as Windsor, which overturned the 2008 Prop 8 ballot initiative banning marriage equality out here in California after the state's high court had found such bans to be unconstitutional. On that very same day this year, the Supreme Court on Friday in a 5-4 to four decision ruled that same-sex couples across the nation have a fundamental right to marry in every state in the Union. This landmark decision uh, brings marriage equality to all states in the country, including those where same-sex marriage bans were still in place or still being enforced to some extent. 
That would include, uh, other than the 35 states where it was already moving forward, the other 35 states where progress had already begun, uh, the other states where marriage will now be required, and I should say will now be allowed. Marriage, uh, Gay marriage is not required. Even though it's illegal, you do not have to get gay married. I just need to make that clear. You mean even though it's legal? Even though it is legal, yes. you do not have to marry someone of the same sex. Just because it seems like there are so uh, enough people out there uh, flipping their uh, you know, wigs over this that they, they must think it's required. Mike Huckabee must think he's got to go marry a, a man now. Apparently, that's the only uh, explanation for the way that idiot is, is responding to all of this. In any event, so those states where it will now be legal, where it hadn't been uh, allowed before, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Texas, your old home state, Desi Doyen, Missouri, my old home state, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ohio, and Michigan. Welcome to the 21st century, guys. The precedent also applies to U.S. territories such as Puerto Rico. The court's majority opinion was written by Ronald Reagan appointed Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy. He based uh, his decision or, or the, uh, the decision of the majority, the 5-4 majority, on the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. So allow me to read that 14th Amendment, this particular clause, for the pretend conservatives out there who pretend to believe in the Constitution. The 14th Amendment says no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws, the equal protection of the laws. So if you are allowed to get married, you are allowed to get married. If uh, states allow people to marry people of the opposite sex uh, of their choice, they must also allow people to make that same choice for spouses of the same sex. The court's landmark ruling is certainly the most significant change in laws governing marriage since the court struck down state bans on interracial marriage almost 50 years ago. And I think no one looks back in this country no serious person looks back at that and says, oh, we made a mistake. No, it's just a part of our fiber. It is a part of who we are. Writing for the court's five to four uh, majority, Justice Anthony Kennedy said gay and lesbian couples had a fundamental right to marry. He said no union is more profound than marriage for it embodies the highest ideals of love, fidelity, devotion, sacrifice and family. In forming a marital union, two people become something greater than they once were. It would, it would misunderstand these men. It would be to misunderstand these men and women to say they disrespect the idea of marriage. Their plea is that they do respect it, respect it so deeply that they seek to find its fulfillment for themselves. Their hope is not to be condemned, to live in loneliness, excluded from one of civilization's oldest institutions, they ask for equal dignity in the eyes of the law. The Constitution grants them that right. President Barack Obama speaking today in the Rose Garden of the White House after the Supreme Court decision came down had this to say. We are big and vast and diverse, a nation of 
people with different backgrounds and beliefs, different experiences and stories, but bound by our shared ideal that no matter who you are or what you look like, how you started off, or how and who you love, America is a place where you can write your own destiny. We are a people who believe that every single child is entitled to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. There's so much more work to be done to extend the full promise of America to every American. But today we can say, in no uncertain terms, that we've made our union a little more perfect. Our nation was founded on a bedrock principle that we are all created equal. Progress on this journey often comes in small increments. Sometimes two steps forward, one step back, propelled by the persistent effort of dedicated citizens. And then sometimes there are days like this, when that slow, steady effort is rewarded with justice that arrives like a thunderbolt. This morning, the Supreme Court recognized that the Constitution guarantees marriage equality. In doing so, they've reaffirmed that all Americans are entitled to the equal protection of the law, that all people should be treated equally, regardless of who they are or who they love. Imagine that. That was President Obama speaking in the Rose Garden today, shortly after the Supreme Court in its 5-4 to four ruling, found that uh, marriage equality is constitutional, is fundamentally protected by the Constitution. It is a right, and it applies in all 50 states. Writing on behalf of the dissenters, Chief Justice John Roberts said, if you are among the many Americans of whatever sexual orientation who favor expanding, expanding same-sex marriage, by all means, celebrate today's decision. Celebrate the achievement of a desired goal. Celebrate the opportunity for a new expression of commitment to a partner. Celebrate the availability of new benefits, but do not celebrate the Constitution. It had nothing to do with it said John Roberts on behalf of the uh, of the court dissenting uh, the, the court's minority. Of course, it had something to do with it. Of course, you can read the plain text, if you will, of the 14th Amendment. And, and you can see that, uh, you, you know, some rights uh, apply to some and some apply apply to others. No, absolutely not. The Constitution grants equal justice to all under the law. Uh, Justice Antonin Scalia, my good friend, uh, who I talked about uh, quite a bit on yesterday's show. You should go look that one up if you haven't, if you missed yesterday's show and my thoughts on Scalia and his dissent in the uh, in the Obamacare case yesterday. Uh, he called it a judicial putsch. And I'm not even, I, you know, I don't even know that I want to cover what this guy has to say, to be frank, because he is such a phony. He is such a hypocrite. He is not a constitutional conservative. He is, he, he is not an originalist. He's a Republican. He's, a Repu he's the uh, uh, 
he's the Supreme Court version of Fox News. That's it. That's all he uh, that's all he is. He said, uh, I joined the chief justice's opinion in full. I write separately. Oh, because he wrote a separate dissent and all of the other dissenters, uh, uh, Thomas and Alito, also wrote their own dissent. They really, really wanted to make sure that they would not only be on the wrong side of history, but that everyone would know they were on the wrong side of history. So congratulations, boys. In any event, Scalia wrote the substance. Uh, well, he said, I write separately to call attention to this court's threat to American democracy. That's Scalia, the guy who voted with the Supreme Court to not count the people's votes in the state of Florida in 2000. Speaking of judicial putches putting George W. Bush into the White House uh, without uh, against the wishes of the American people in 2000. This guy has the temerity to call this a judicial putsch, a threat to American democracy. Are you kidding me, Antonin Scalia? He is such a drama queen. Isn't he, though? He writes, the substance of today's decree is not of immense personal importance to me. I don't care. But it is of overwhelming importance, however, who it is that rules me. Today's decree says that my ruler and the ruler of 320 million Americans coast to coast is a majority of the nine lawyers on the Supreme Court. Until the courts put a stop to it, public debate over same-sex marriage displayed American democracy at its best. But the court ends this debate in an opinion lacking even a thin veneer of law. Buried beneath the mummeries and straining to be memorable passages of the opinion is a candid and startling assertion. No matter what it is, no matter what it was, the people ratified the 14th Amendment protects those rights that the judiciary in its reasoned judgment thinks the 14th Amendment ought to protect. The nature of marriage is that though it's enduring uh, through its enduring bond, two persons together can find other freedoms such as expression, intimacy and spirituality. He wrote, quoting from the majority opinion. Really? Said Scalia. Whoever thought that intimacy and spirituality, whatever that means, were freedoms. And if intimacy is, one would think freedom of intimacy is abridged rather than expanded by marriage. Just ask the nearest hippie. What? What does that even mean? Well, because you know how hippies, they believe in free love. This guy, he's like, he walked oh, out. Of, yeah, he walked out of, you know, 1968 to deliver this uh, well, yeah, idiotic this is, descent. This is Scalia. He does. his All of his opinions basically come from 1968 thinking. So I think that was the point of what uh, President Obama said today. He said, you know, we try to continually perfect the idea of what equality means, even as society and circumstances change over time. That was a key point of his speech. And, you know, speaking of freedom of spirituality, which he says, whatever that means, you know, the, the Republican response such that there has been one so far from Republicans freaking out is that we must expand religious freedom. So uh, hint to uh, Justice Scalia, spirituality, it's kind of like religion. Except you don't have to give them money every time you show up at their church. Uh, Justice John Roberts, going back to his opinion uh, on on behalf of the full minority here, he's uh, though though Scalia's dissent was rabid, as a TPM managing editor David Kurtz described it. 
Um, Justice John Roberts went to a much darker place. He wrote, Indeed, however heartened the proponents of same-sex marriage might be on this day, it's worth acknowledging what they have lost and lost forever. The opportunity to win the true acceptance that comes from persuading their fellow citizens of the justice of their cause. And they lose this just when the winds of change were freshening at their backs. So what he's doing there is he's arguing to allow the democratic process instead of the courts to hash this out. You remember the way the democratic process went to, uh, you know, determine that slavery was no good. They just went to the, you know, to the ballot box and voted against slavery eventually after several hundred years. Oh, wait, they didn't go to the ballot box and vote against slavery after seven, uh, after hundreds of years. It had to be done by fiat. It had to be entered into the Constitution as a constitutional right. So, yeah, we don't vote on rights in this country. Rights are rights. I, I, you know, I, I, I can't imagine that if we went to the, uh, uh, you know, to the ballot box, if we put an initiative on the ballot that said, uh, you know, there shall be no Fox News in, in the state of California. Republicans shall not be allowed to vote in any election. Uh, would that be okay? You'd be cool with that? Because, you know, hey, it's democracy, right, baby? The hell with your rights. Uh John, uh, Justice Kennedy, however, in the majority opinion, uh, cited the word immutable twice, as our friend Ian Milheiser, uh, constitutional correspondent, pointed out. Uh, he used the word twice in his, in his opinion, uh, once in an offhand statement that sexual orientation is an, quote, immutable nature, and again in a more pointed statement that, psychi- quote, psychiatrists and others recognize that sexual orientation is both a normal expression of human sexuality and immutable. Kennedy's declaration that sexual orientation is immutable has a lot of obvious political significance as this case moves forward. In the meantime, Texas has started issuing marriage licenses to same-sex couples. That's good, down in Travis County anyway, which is Austin. Uh, The uh, ninny governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, issued a uh, religious liberties directive in light of the Supreme Court uh, fight, because that's got uh, the Supreme Court announcement. That's where they're going to move. They're going to say that uh, selling, uh, asking me to sell a cake to someone who is getting gay married violates my religious liberties. Violates that uh, one of those ten amendments, which says, "Thou shalt not bake a cake and sell it to someone who pays you for it to use at their, at their wedding." You're familiar with that. Uh, that amendment. Missouri, my hometown, has started issuing licenses in uh, Jackson, Boone, St. Louis and, uh, County and St. Louis City. They've been issuing marriage licenses as of Friday. That's good news. In the coming days, says Governor Jay Nixon, I will be taking all necessary and appropriate actions to ensure this decision is implemented throughout the state of Missouri. The Human Rights Campaign The Washington-based advocacy group uh, wrote a letter to uh, the governor of Missouri asking that same-sex marriages be performed immediately 
We urge you to take immediate action to ensure that all judges and justices of the peace begin issuing marriage licenses to all eligible Missouri couples immediately. Delaying the issuance of marriage licenses to same-sex couples is not only unlawful, but allows the discriminatory impacts of an unconstitutional law to continue. So you can watch for that to change very quickly in state after state after state. Rights win. Rights have won again. Back in 2004, in February of 2004, in just the 15th article we ever wrote at bradblog.com, I said, uh, I used the headline, Gay Marriage, Done Deal. The wall seems to be finally coming down in the GOP and DNC. Remember, Democrats were against this for years on end as well. The DNC are as powerless to stop it as East German Chancellor Eric Honecker was to stop the Berlin Wall from toppling in 1989. That's what we wrote in 2004. And then again in 2010, and that was before even, you know, uh, Republicans had picked it up as an issue to use... Uh, bans against marriage equality to use hate against gay people as a uh, a weapon, as a political weapon in the 2004 election. Then we wrote again in uh, 2010, in the midst of what were some seemingly dark days at the time for the nation, but even as many federal courts had begun to reveal the utter moral bankruptcy of the case against equal rights for all. We wrote in 2010 that as horrible as things seem right now with sociopathic loons on one side of the aisle, cowardly failures on the other, a mainstream corporate media completely out of touch with virtually everything that matters, an economy in which everyone but the rich are gasping for air, there is one very bright spot on which we can all take great comfort. Rights win. It rarely happens immediately and almost never without a far too long struggle, but rights for we, the people, almost always eventually win in this nation, usually against all odds, avarice, greed, and ignorance, but our Constitution is brilliant enough that rights eventually win out. If you have any doubt, look no further than the latest news heralding the last dying gasps of institutionalized homophobia in our laws and in our military, as I wrote at the time. The good news is, the haters have lost. The question which played such an enormous, if entirely trumped-up role in our presidential election just six years ago has all but been finally settled, I wrote back in 2010. Well before the end of this decade, I said... Marriage equality for gays and lesbians will be recognized in every state in the Union, and homosexuals will be as welcome in our nation's military as African Americans are. It's over, I said. The good guys have won. In these quiet victories of rights over wrongs, we can all take some quiet comfort, even in these maddening, ugly days. The bad guys may not have come to terms with it yet. They may not have even noticed yet, but they have lost. The constitutional right to equal protection under the law eventually wins. And there is nothing that all of the hateful politicians, brain-dead media, and disinformed citizenry can do to change that. In 2004, as I noted at the time in 2010, in one of our earliest postings, Amidst all the phony sturm and drang about it, we told you that gay marriage was a done deal, and so it is, or will soon very much be, as bad as everything seems right now, 
actually is right now. Take heart. Rights will always win eventually. We shall overcome, and there's nothing that Fox News, evil Republicans, cowardly Democrats, deviously disinformed Americans, or anybody else who hates the Constitution and American values can do about it. So have a nice weekend. That was from 2010. Uh, With that in mind, our prediction uh, was always an easy one for real conservatives like me who believe in our Constitution. The other moral is always, always trust the Brad blog. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our old friend Mike Rogers, who we have been talking about this very issue for, man, uh, more than 10 years. Uh, An extraordinary day. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Please stay tuned. Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. Welcome back. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. It's a big, big day. As you know, we talked about it in the last segment. We're going to continue talking about it. We're going to continue celebrating here. Uh, You know, for years on this program, uh, throughout the years, uh, we would do a segment that we would occasionally call the Big Gay Hour. And, of course, it was really funny back when we started doing it back in uh, 2005, 2006, 2007, whatever it was. Because it drove people crazy. Because back then, you just didn't talk about this sort of thing in in polite company. You certainly didn't talk about marriage equality, uh, gay rights. That was for, well, that was for gay people. That was for, you know, gay radio shows, if there were such a thing, which I don't think there were. But uh, whenever we had our, our big gay hour, we would turn to our friend Mike. We would turn to our big gay friend, Mike Rogers of RawStory.com. He's also the creator of BlogActive.com. His work as a journalist was the inspiration behind Kirby Dick's 2009 documentary film, Outrage, described as a searing expose of the secret lives of gay politicians. Uh, It only seems appropriate uh, on a day like today when the Supreme Court has ruled that marriage equality belongs to everyone across the land in all 50 states. It only seemed right uh, to have our friend Mike Rogers back on the broadcast today. Oh, Mike Rogers, welcome back, my friend, to the broadcast. 
Thanks so much for having me on, Brad. Good to hear your voice. Uh, it's good to talk to you. It has been a while. As a matter of fact, I think the last time we had John might have been um, two years ago. I, it might have been on this very anniversary uh, for the Windsor case, which... Uh, which found that the uh, Defensive Marriage Act was unconstitutional. So, uh, and the other reason we haven't had John very much is because, uh, well, it seems like uh, not just marriage equality, but gay rights in general seem to be moving forward in many states, although we're seeing some interesting new inventions on how to block them now. Let's get to that in a moment. But uh, listen, uh, your thoughts on on uh, the Supreme Court and their their remarkable ruling, five to four ruling in favor of marriage equality on Friday. You know, the uh, Supreme Court has done what the Supreme Court has done throughout our history. At some point, mm -hmm. they've stood up for various groups and saw those who were oppressed and knew that it was time to change. It really began with, of course, the case Marbury versus Madison, which gave them the right to step in and say, we're here to protect America and to make sure that the Constitution applies to the entire country. And while some people want to be stuck in the moment that it was created, it's good to see that a majority of the court realizes that the Constitution is a living document as we're an evolving society and have applied that. You know, people say gay marriage. It's marriage. It's always been just marriage, just mm. equality. Um, you know, nobody's looking for anything special. We've all talked about that. And I'm almost in stunned disbelief when you think of <laughs> how recently yeah. this country was torn in two over this exact issue. Yep. Uh, and this issue elected a conservative, and then to see this happen today uh, is just unbelievable. Well, I will tell you this, and in, in the last segment, I, I read some of what I had written back in 2010 and back in February of 24, uh, when, you know, when George W. Bush, well, actually, when Dick Cheney came out, so to speak, uh, in favor of marriage equality, largely because he had a daughter who was gay, but when George Bush came out uh, and said, well, we need a constitutional amendment, it became clear that even so-called conservatives like George W. Bush, and I don't consider him a real conservative, actually, but when so-called conservatives came out and realized, hey, <clears throat> laws, bans on gay marriage are not going to do the trick here because we have a constitution, and a conservative reading of that constitution says, frankly, uh, you know, equal justice for all under the law, uh, you know, the 14th Amendment. I don't know how you could read it any other way. Uh, but so did you have any we'll talk about 2004 in a second, but did you ever have any doubt that we would actually get to this day, uh, whether it would be this fast or not? You know, in the mid 90s, I had always thought that if I uh, live my life as somebody involved in this movement uh, and it was my time, my generation to pass on, I would have felt we were a success if we had left marriage in simply two states, for example, Massachusetts, where it had been mm -hmm. uh, first and then somewhere else, and that eventually down the line, the Supreme Court would have invoked something like the full faith and credit clause to make those marriages recognized in other states or marriage equality for whatever reason. I never in a million years thought that this would happen this quickly. When you look at just 10 years ago today, mm -hmm. where this country was, you had Karl Rove, you had a closeted gay man 
Ken Melman, mm-hmm. destroying his own community. He ran the election campaign that elected George W. Bush on the backs of LGBT Americans. That's treason right there. Well. So you have someone like a Ken Melman 10 years ago using this to get elected, and now, now, it's going, now they're just going to shut up. They're well, ready to shut up because they know this is a losing issue for them. Well, we'll see how much they are uh, going to shut up. But I'll tell you, uh, Mike Rogers, one of the hints, uh, and and we could talk and and we could talk about Ken Melman in a second because I can't remember if he was one of the uh, closeted gay politicians who you reported on or not before he officially came out. But you know, you mentioned Massachusetts. Um, uh, one of the first, actually, I think, was it the first state in the union to allow marriage equality? Uh, the first state in the union had a ruling uh, yeah. by the Supreme Judicial Court, mm-hmm. which is the highest court in Massachusetts, with right. my good friends Hillary and Julie Goodrich, the first case of the first couples who were actually married legally in the United States of America. It was clear to me at that point, because it was actually a uh, a, a, a court in Massachusetts, that uh, high court, that had, I think it was a majority of Republican uh, appointees or Republicans on the court. We saw the same thing out here in California, uh, you know, when they ruled that there was nothing in either the state constitution or the U.S. constitution that allowed, uh, you know, the barring of marriage between uh, uh, same-sex individuals. It was always, in those early cases, it was actually Republicans and conservatives and then you look overseas, you see, uh, uh, what's his name, Cameron, David Cameron, the prime minister there. He's, he came out originally in support of marriage equality. He said not because, not in spite of being a conservative, but because I'm a conservative. I always thought marriage equality was the conservative position, and a lot of courts along the way backed, seemed to back up that uh, that thinking, at least until you got to the pretend conservatives like Antonin Scalia at the uh, at the Supreme Court, who will just you know say anything he needs to say to 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 make his case. It seems, but two thousand. Well, he's a religious fundamentalist as opposed to a jurist, uh, and he's that's what that is. Yeah, and he's an activist, and he's a Republican, and he's doing you know Republican activism as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and we talked about it on on yesterday's show in great detail. His remarkable hypocrisy, how he likes to pick and choose. When he is a uh, you know a, a constitutional conservative and when he is not, but yeah, it was that 2004 election that you cite Mike Rogers, uh, that uh, Karl Rove and Ken Melman, the closeted gay man at the time who has since come out, uh, that they ran, they put these marriage uh, these bans on marriage equality on the ballot in how many states at the time? I can't remember, dozens of states, wasn't it that year? Thirteen, I think it was. And do you? Th- I should know that, but I think it was thirteen. And and do you think that uh, he ended up? They ended up hastening this day because they decided to politicize it so blatantly and baldly as they did in back in two thousand and four. You know, I think that's exactly what happened. It mobilized the LGBT community to realize that while we thought things were moving along and churning along, there's people who want to stand in the way of equality. And uh, we have to fight. And this community, like so many other communities, have united around tragedy to create change. We see that today in the LGBT community, when we had moments like Harvey Milk's assassination, the AIDS crisis in America saw so many people dying that 
had forced so many people to come out and to be honest and open with who they were that might not have before that. And here we are again with what's going on in the country. You know, it's not, uh, it's not going to be easy. Uh, and when you look at that history, when you look at what's happening all around us and you put it in context, uh, it's certainly a humongous step forward. Huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how far is it? Is it all the way? Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Well, and I think uh, we'll get there quite quickly. And when you know, when I say we, uh, Mike, I had mentioned at the uh, top of the segment here. You know, there was a time because we were covering this at Bradblog.com. I think uh, very early, at least in the existence of the blog world, uh, and covered it a lot. And people just presumed at the time. Uh, that well, we must be. Gay. I must be gay. Uh, Brad Friedman must be gay because he's covering this issue. This really wasn't covered uh, in the respectable media, uh, you know, back in those dark days. I think. How have things changed you as a journalist? As a journalist uh, who was, I know you don't like the word, but outing uh, these closeted gay politicians. How have you seen the journalism and the coverage of these issues? change over the past 10 years? Has it been as fast as the courts have changed uh, over the past 10 years on this? Well, I think what we have seen, and we still do see, is an element of the media having what's called political homophobia. They're in Washington. They live their lives here. They know everything going on. Politicians know what's going on. But for some reason, they just can't step over that line into... Uh, treating uh, gay folks and people who are doing these things the same as they are straight folks. And for so long it had this, let's call it the ick factor. Mm -hmm. I think that what happened is more and more the media realized that ick factor was because of the very people who were hiding in the closet. Mm. That ick factor isn't Marnie Frank. That ick factor was Mark Foley. That ick factor was the way that Larry Craig went into toilets, the way that Dennis Hastert is paying off high school students for sex that he had with them decades later. That's the ick factor, and they have finally, as we see, finally have crossed over and been able to cover these things because of the shift in society. I think a lot of the media, you have Anderson Cooper is out, uh, David Muir, openly gay in Washington, D.C., so folks at that level have come out and helped to shape the media. Uh, and that certainly has helped as well. And, of course, LGBT folks have been working to influence the media through organizations like GLAD and uh, teaching the stories and telling folks the stories. This debate in every state as it went on gave us the opportunity to do the most important thing, which is to tell the stories in our own voices. Uh, and by America hearing from those folks and being mm. able to more creatively use media, and certainly the web, uh, without a doubt, contributed to this, to be able to move those stories of people with kids, people with spouses, people who were widows like Jim Obergefell uh, in his case, and what it will mean for him and his family now that his marriage is recognized in Ohio. That happens because of a shifting change in the media. And do you think Change that doesn't happen without that? Do you think that democratization then of the media through the you know the the blogs and the social media and people being able to hear, read these stories 
uh, these firsthand stories that were not reported in the mainstream media uh, years earlier. You, you think that has made a difference in hastening this day? Um, you know, I said earlier to somebody, Jay, do I think that had uh, a way to uh, an impact on hastening? No, I don't think that. I know that. Mm. There's no question uh, that, again, being able to share these stories so that friends who have family in Alabama are seeing the loving relationships between my friend Jeremy and his husband Andrew mm-hmm. and their daughter because it's coming across on their Facebook feed. It's personal. It's the person you used to work with who was, you know, kind of not really their, their church and all that. But by people being out and open about who they are, it all of a sudden isn't about those gay people. It's about my neighbor. Mm. It's about my friend. It's about my cousin. Uh, so and that, and that personifies it. You know, of course, conservatives are unable to get there unless it's their own kid. You know, Portman is great. Why he has a gay kid? Senator Cheney, uh, Senator Portman, uh, Ohio Senator uh, Portman, you're talking about. Correct. And Dick Cheney, mm-hmm. uh, the evil lord, he, <laughs> uh, the moment his daughter came out, all of a sudden he's okay with gay people and believes in equality because right. it affected him. Yeah, That's well, why he, they're Republicans. Well, yeah, he was okay with it, uh, but not enough to actually uh, tell the campaign uh, when he was running, re, you know, run, re, running for re-election as vice president to force the campaign to do the stop, uh, to do the right thing, and you know, stop running that 2004 on the backs of uh, of gay people and and in favor of hatred. But you mentioned uh, some of these other groups, Mike Rogers. Um, the groups that have been fighting for the one of them has been the Freedom to Marry, uh, who has you know been very good, very helpful in helping to organize this movement over the past decade. They actually put out a press release at the end of which it says, over the next several months, we will collaborate with key movement colleagues to smartly and strategically wind down its work and document lessons learned, and then close its doors. Having achieved the goal of winning marriage, uh, of winning marriage nationwide, and helping loving and committed couples cl- across the threshold to marriage and full inclusion in society with equal justice under the law, uh, how often do you see groups like this saying, "Okay, mission accomplished. We're done. We're shutting the doors," uh, you know, on this uh, civil rights work? You rarely see that. Where does this movement now go? Where does the fight? Uh, for gay rights uh, go now once this uh, is finally completely totally settled in all 50 states and the last of the dead enders have uh, have 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 stopped fighting right well i can assure you that as there are challenges to the voting rights act and the civil rights act every year this issue will not go away this is not this is something we've earned but just because you earn something doesn't mean that you don't have to continue to fight for it every day. Um, now that we've won the marriage right to uh, the right to marry across the country, when people are denied those access, and you can be rest assured some states will try to deny that access, when that happens, there are amazing legal organizations that are prepared to take up, as they do other cases, uh, the defense or the uh, civil cases, uh, to make sure that those rights are served. So there's, there's that angle. In terms of freedom to marry, they had a mission. Their mission is no longer relevant. I, I mean, 
in a day and age where so many nonprofits are competing for the same money, they could have easily said, well, now our job will be shifting to education and helping to develop mm-hmm. curriculum. I mean, you know all the key words yeah. that are out there. We all know them. Uh, and... And, and they would have, and they would have had every right to do so, by the way, and and raise a whole lot of money, uh, you know, on, on the backs of this decision. They deserve it. And, and what I'll say is really amazing. You know, Evan Wolfson, uh-huh. uh, his team over there, of course, they're you know in, in my community are so well known. Michael Crawford, the digital effort that Michael Crawford directed, brought that organization into you know the, the 22nd century mm-hmm. in terms of the online creativity and the use of that stuff. <clears throat> so so many of them, what's really great as they wind down, they have been taking those skills and sharing them. They have been talking to folks about non-discrimination laws, transgender protection laws, equal access laws, fighting RIFRAs, the Religious Freedom Restoration Acts around the country that claim gay people are trying to just completely destroy their lives and Um, by, you know, uh, making sure that, you know, we're not impinging on their religion. Uh, so those, because that because you re, you recall that part of the Bible that says thou shalt not bake a cake for a gay wedding. So I could understand why right. they would be. Uh. <laughs> you know, they, the, the line out there that I think is best, baking a cake for a gay wedding means you're going against God. Then why isn't the gun shop? that sells the gun responsible for the murder. Oh, interesting point. Baby. Yeah, you're right. Good point. And it's all, you know, we should also note it's it's still perfectly legal to fire someone for simply being gay in some 30 states in this country. Uh, so there are, you know, a lot of uh, rights that still are not properly recognized. So I think the, the, the fight will continue, whether, whether it's for marriage or anything else. At least I hope it will, Mike, uh, because I, I need to have you back uh, for uh, big gay hours on the broadcast every now and again, or else I, I won't feel whole. Okay. Okay, Uh, Michael Rogers, uh, congratulations. I think they are in order because you really have been, uh, you were early on to this fight and early on to holding out these hypocritical politicians. And it should be noted, by the way, um, you you didn't simply uh, out gay closeted politicians because they were gay. You outed them only after they would do things like what? Vote against uh, marriage equality, vote against gay rights, and so forth. What? What was the? Uh, what was the, the the deciding line when you would do that? Hypocrisy, precisely. I wasn't there to expose the private lives of people. I was there merely to show the country and the media that these people who were doing this are doing this behind the scenes, and then they're getting up on the floor of the Senate. And saying things like, well, you know, gays getting married is a horrible thing. I mean, look at Denny Hastert, for God's sakes. I mean, mm-hmm. here's the guy who ran, you know, so many, com- I mean, you know, the whole impeachment of Clinton. He ran for speaker saying he was squeaky clean. So these are the folks who need to be reported on, not, not folks who happen to, and there's folks in the closet in Congress. I know a number of them. Uh, Democrats and Republicans, but... Would you like to out any of them right now? Uh, You know, (laughs) 
I'm a senior advisor in that game now. I'm kind of uh, haven't been focusing on outing uh, so often these days. Okay, let's leave it at that. Well, you did you did drop the ball on Denny Haster. Did, did did had you known anything about that? By the way, you know, I don't know if I dropped the ball. I actually referred to it obliquely in an appearance on the Nancy Grace Show in 2006. So uh, <laughs> when I had that transcript pulled up from somebody, it was interesting. The rumors had been there at a low level, mm-hmm. almost kind of like crazy level. But, you know, you think, Brad, that they would understand with a camera at every corner, with the Internet in every room, that uh, you'd think that maybe they would learn. But they don't. No. They don't learn. And someone like Haster, you know, talk about coming back to – get you he was arrested for the very laws that he passed it's extraordinary it is extraordinary michael rogers of rawstory.com and uh the inspiration behind kirby dick's 2009 documentary film outrage uh mike always great to talk to you my friend and i do look forward to talking to you again uh in the future because i suspect there are still a lot of fights that that need to be waged and it's always good to talk to you about them my friend Thanks, Brad. My pleasure. Okay, a quick break, and then we'll come back with a bit more, including Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. Stay tuned. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Going to the chapel, and we're gonna get married. Going to the chapel, and we're you know, uh, years ago, my parents asked me, Brad, well, why aren't you get? Well, when will you ever get married? And I said, well, I just, I refuse to get married until uh, marriage equality is, is available in all 50 states. <sighs> Little did I know that it would come so quickly. Uh, anyway, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Uh, well, we got to get to our green news report, don't yeah. we? Yeah, there's a lot right. in there we got to talk there about. There is, all right, and and we're a little bit late because of Bobby Jindal entering the the pre, uh, the presidential race. So yeah, we got plenty to get to. All right, let's do it then. Our latest green news report. I'm running for president of the greatest country in the world, the United States of America. Bobby Jindal jumps in to the 2016 race. Who? We'll tell you his position on global warming. I was about to collapse. It's so hot that I can barely speak. Deadly heat wave in Pakistan. Two new studies find climate change a major threat to human health. Plus, Dutch government ordered to cut carbon emissions in landmark court ruling. All of those orders and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. How about the Pope? I love him again. He said climate change is real. He said we are living in a structurally perverse economic system where the rich exploit the poor, and it's turning the earth into an immense pile of filth. And the Republican response was swift and immediate. They said, and? And this is your... In news report. What's your point, Poppy? Go back to washing feet. Okay, Desi Doyen, I know we've got another Republican jumping into the 2016 race. Is this one any more coherent on climate change 
than the 13 or 14 that have come before him. <laughs> Actually, he is number 13, and no, he is not more coherent. Louisiana's Republican Governor Bobby Jindal announced on Wednesday he is entering the crowded race for the 2016 Republican presidential nomination. We've been tracking the climate change positions of all of the 2016 candidates, and Governor Jindal has adopted the new Republican Party line of questioning how much humans are responsible for it. Here is Jindal last September. One, uh, the climate is absolutely changing. Climate's always changing. The real question is how much is it changing? What are the consequences of that change? It's not controversial to say that human activity is contributing in some way to change. Certainly, in terms of how much and how serious that is, my attitude is let the scientists decide that. Politicians don't need to be deciding that. The actions this administration's taken, one, don't actually improve the environment and actually hurt our economy. What the hell is he talking about? Let the scientists decide? And then he says we shouldn't do anything because it'll just hurt our economy. And he joins Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, and other Republican candidates who also advocate delay because they claim it will hurt the economy. Here's what I find to be the most incomprehensible of all of Bobby Jindal's climate change positions. We have an administration, the Obama administration, that are science deniers. Uh, what? Exactly. People asked him what he meant by that, and he mentioned something about they should have approved the Keystone XL pipeline already. Oh, good Lord. Meanwhile, as Republicans urge delay, two new reports warn of the public health impacts of climate change, both now and in the future. First, the Obama administration and the U.S. Surgeon General issued a report on Monday finding that climate change is a serious threat to public health. Yeah, but as you know... The Obama administration, uh, they're science deniers. The report calculates that if nothing is done, by the end of the century, about 57,000 Americans will die each year from toxic air pollution alone, and another 12,000 would die from extreme temperatures. Deny that, Bobby Jindal. Another separate report from the prestigious British medical journal Lancet states that climate change could have potentially catastrophic impacts on human health. The Lancet warns, quote, Climate change directly impacts human health, resulting in loss of life from heat waves, etc. But it will also impact food supply and threaten our supply of drinking water. That and sea level rise will cause mass migration and social unrest. The Lancet notes that millions of people already die each year from toxic air pollution from burning fossil fuels. Now, both of these reports emphasize solutions and show that tackling climate change by phasing out coal and switching to clean energy, they say, could be the greatest global health opportunity of the century. And yet, science denier Bobby Jindal wants to continue producing coal and gas and oil. Meanwhile, climate change is already impacting Pakistan, where government officials have declared a public health state of emergency. More than 800 people have died so far amid an extreme, persistent heat wave in southern Pakistan. I sometimes feel dizzy because of the heat. A little while ago, I was about to collapse. It's so hot that I can barely speak. And allow me to put that in a bit of context. The number of Pakistani civilians killed by terrorism in all of 2015 is 530. But some 800 Pakistanis have been killed in the heat wave over just the last few days. 
Finally, some good news. In a first-of-its-kind ruling, a court in The Hague has ordered the government of the Netherlands to cut its emissions by 25% within five years. It's the world's first climate liability lawsuit. It was brought by Dutch citizens who accused their Dutch government of negligence under human rights and tort law, saying that the government's plans to cut emissions are not enough to protect the citizens against climate change. This is an amazing case that I want to learn more about. You can learn more about about it by checking out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Don't forget you can find us and follow us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. There's a law, there's an arm, there's a hand, there's a law. Yeah. And in fact, I do want to find out more about that. And we are going to find out about more of that on our next broadcast. I think we've booked a guest to talk about that Dutch uh, that case because yes. it has big implications for the entire world, does it not? Yes, it does. Uh, or it potentially could. Let's put it that way. All right. Well, uh, that will be in our next thrilling episode that I hope you will join us for. My thanks today to Desi Doyen, our producer. To Cynthia Cohn, our booking goddess, and of course to our old friend Mike Rogers of RawStory.com on this historic day. We'll be back with you soon. Until then, you can drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. You can find me and follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at TheBradBlog. And of course, you can find me, as always, at bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 